0: From our nation's capital, this is Naps Chat. i Welcome to this week's edition of Knapp's Chat. This is Bob Levy, the Legislative and Political Director of the National Association of Postal Supervisors, and today we are privileged to have Congressman Peter King join us on NAPS Chat. Welcome, Congressman King.
1: Bob, great to be with you. It really is.
0: Congressman King is serving his 14th and unfortunately final term in the U.S. House of Representatives. In fact, the president of Branch 202 of the National Association of Postal Supervisors, Tom Barone, would hope that you uh, reconsider your retirement.
1: Uh, I you know, certainly appreciate that from Tom, but uh, no, the decision I made was not an easy decision, but I just thought after 28 years, it was time to start a new chapter. And uh, not that I have any great plans going forward other than to remain active, stay on Long Island in, in New York and uh, you know, doing what I can, but Listen, I've had a great relationship with the uh, Postal Service as a member of Congress, but also as a resident here in Long Island, and even throughout this whole, you know, coronavirus, when everything else is shut down and stopped, you still see, you know, the uh, postal carrier coming up to the house every day and you know making the deliveries and. Uh, yeah, it's not easy. So I, I give, again, all all your people tremendous credit. I really do.
0: Yeah, there are around 1,300 postal employees who reside in the 2nd Congressional District of New York, and they uh, they appreciate your support of the Postal Service. Now, you were former chairman of the Homeland Security Committee, which took a very pivotal role with regard to uh, post-9-11 activities, and uh, we're now in the coronavirus era. So your experience is uh, very appreciated and... Uh, Noteworthy.
1: Well, thank you. No, that was uh, really, it was very important to me. I became the chairman in 2005. It was, it was a newly formed committee. There was a vacancy at the top. I ran for it and I uh, was elected chairman of Homeland Security. And, you know, there were some very tough times then in New York from involving Homeland Security, involving funding, involving, involving first responders. So I was, uh, it was very, very important to me. To be able to you know fight for New York and, and for the country to make sure that we handle it properly. So that, that was a very good time in my life and my career was obviously it came out of it, the traumatic, horrible moments of nine uh, eleven. But being able to do something in the uh, comeback was very very important to me.
0: Now you know there, as I said, you know your service and support of the country post nine eleven, Homeland Security is extremely important to our nation, and you're to be commended for your. Uh, leadership in that area. But also I would say noteworthy is something unique about New York, and that is we have had true champions of the Postal Service hail from the state of New York, and particularly from the Republican Party. For example, former Congressman Ben Gilman uh, was a ranking member of the old House Post Office and Civil Service Mm -hmm. Committee. John McHugh was chairman of the Postal Subcommittee. Jerry Solomon was uh, chairman of the Rules Committee during a period of time where A lot of postal activity was uh, being conducted in the um, 80s and 90s. And uh, former Congressman Frank Horton was a ranking member of the Postal Operations Committee. So tell me, what is it in – is it the water in New York? Is it the bagels? What is it – because it's unique in New York that the Republican members of Congress have been champions.
1: Yeah. uh, The names you mentioned, Frank Horton, I know him, but he left Congress the year that I arrived but Jerry Solomon, Ben Gilman, John McHugh are all strong advocates also of the the Postal Service. You know, I don't see what the big issue is. I mean, to me, postal workers, first of all, the job they do is absolutely essential. We've had a Postal Service since really before the founding of the country. Postal Service has been there. It's part of Americana. It's part of American folklore. But apart from the romantic aspect of it, it's absolutely vital. And uh, the service they provide of having to deliver mail no matter what, from any part of the country to the other, no matter what. And the fact that they are so reliable to me, uh, and also then on the personal level, they're outstanding members of the community. I mean, they're active in local community groups They're Again, you know, they're pillars of the community. So at every level, the historic level, the day-to-day, day-to-day, week in and week out, year in and out, uh, year out service. And also the fact that they are outstanding members of the community. Uh, I just don't understand this issue. I know there is from other parts of the country, there's opposition. It's almost like a built-in opposition to the Postal Service. I don't even know how often the people think it through. They just uh, have this gut reaction. Maybe it's, again, it was probably some political issue going back years ago. But to me, it makes no sense. We have enough issues we can argue about and debate in this country without trying to undermine the Postal Service. And that's especially important. During the coronavirus, listen, if people want to make reforms to the Postal Service. If they want to make changes, let's have an out-and-out, out open debate on that. Don't try to sabotage the uh, Postal Service by cutting off funding during the coronavirus. I mean, this, is, this that's a backdoor way of killing the Postal Service. If we're going to make any changes at all, if we, if we want to either make it better, make it better for the employees, uh, whatever we feel that has to be done, there should be a full debate. In, in committee, in the Congress, and that should be the only focus of the debate, the Postal Service, not have it somehow tied in where the funding is cut off or it's allowed to expire during you know, during the pandemic. So that's why I've strongly supported also funding right now for the Postal Service to make sure that it stays not just alive, but healthy as we go through the pandemic and come out of it.
0: Just today, the uh, House Democratic leadership released a the text of legislation calling for funding, emergency funding of the Postal Service, um, in part $25 billion in emergency funding, and also sort of eliminate the strings attached to the $10 billion that has already been authorized in Mm -hmm. the er, enacted legislation from a month and a half ago. Do you think that's going to be helpful to the Postal Service?
1: I think it has to be helpful. I mean, it's not the final step, but it's certainly helpful. It certainly uh, is, is going to allow people to breathe easier. And I, I will certainly be voting for that legislation. And now it has to go to the Senate. And I, I think, though, there's enough grassroots feeling built up. I think the only way you could really, that politicians could get away with hurting the Postal Service, if it happens in the darker night, no one knows about it. And that's what could have happened as this, if the pandemic went along and Congress couldn't appropriate money and somehow they could sneak it in. Uh, or sneak it out by uh, not uh, ex- extending the funding for the Postal Service. Now that the issue is out there and it's been brought to people's attention, and actually, uh, Congresswoman Maloney and I formed a Postal uh, Service Caucus. Uh, the issue is out there now. So I think the, uh, not just the House, but certainly in the Senate, too, a lot of senators are going to start getting grassroots responses from, you know, from their constituents as to why it's important to keep the Postal Service going. And more but- than more than keep it going, keep it vibrant and healthy.
0: Let's talk a little bit about the creation of the uh, Postal Preservation Caucus, which you co-chair with Chairman Maloney from the House Oversight and Reform Committee. Can you tell me about the genesis, how you were approached, or how you and Congresswoman Maloney got together to form this caucus?
1: Yeah, thinking back on it, I would say it was Carolyn called me, and uh, I think we were having a discussion, and she said, you know, this is is crazy. We can't allow the Postal Service to suffer because of the— pandemic, that be somehow used as a cover or an excuse to, you know, to hurt the Postal Service. And then also we spoke to uh, Mark Amaday from the state of Nevada and Jerry Conley from uh, state of Virginia, and we formed this uh, caucus. And uh, we've had at least one news conference I'm aware of it, announcing the formation of it and saying why, you know, why we feel it's important. I think, quite frankly, a number of us weren't aware of uh, you know, the fact that the Postal Service was not even included in you know, the first two bills. And then we realized it was left out and not really, on, you know, it didn't happen by accident. This was, uh, I guess, a plan by some people to undermine the Postal Service. So uh, I think in the first bill, it was in the, uh, I guess, the one we passed back on March 27th. It was in the House of Representatives bill, but then was taken out at the last minute in the Senate. So my understanding, anyway, and th- that was done without us even fully realizing it, to be honest with you, that everything was going on and us not being in Washington and coming back for the vote. And uh, so then that, that's, that's when it really, you know, really hit us hard that, you know, we could be doing permanent, permanent damage to the Postal Service if, if we don't act quickly. And we felt one way to act quickly to draw attention to it was by actually forming a, a House caucus.
0: So the caucus, the intent of the caucus is to enhance visibility amongst your colleagues uh, with regard to the Postal Service and the situation is confronted in light of the pandemic?
1: Yes, that's that's basically that that is that is it. Yeah, to uh, one to show that the uh, funding has to be done, and secondly that it can't be put off because of the pandemic. It's in many respects more important than ever. When so much has been shut down, when we're, people are so isolated, the last thing you need would be to have a slowdown in delivery during the pandemic, and then to be coming out of the pandemic and find out that the postal service has been almost terminally weakened. So that's all is coming together. It had to be done. We couldn't let enemies or opponents of the Postal Service use the pandemic as a cover to uh, cut off funding to the Postal Service.
0: One of the subcommittees that you serve on on the Homeland Security Committee is the Subcommittee on Emergency Preparedness. Right. So within that framework, how do you think the Postal Service is, is part of this emergency preparedness, or is it part of emergency preparedness as a essential uh, part of the uh, governmental infrastructure in dealing with corro- the coronavirus? I
1: I certainly consider it to be, uh, to me, uh, as we saw after 9-11, and now we're seeing during the pandemic, people have to have that, you know, those lines of communication. And uh, you can't always count on the private sector. And no one does the job the postal services anyway. No one has to make the deliveries where the postal service does. nobody. uh, And to me, the the keeping, you know, to keep the mail going, keep the uh, uh, that whole line of communication open is, it's important all the time, but especially important during, during times of crisis, both uh, physically security wise, and also psychologically for people to know that, that, that is there for them. So I consider the keeping open lines of communication during times of crisis to be absolutely a matter of security, And that's, again, another reason why the Postal Service is essential. Also, just as far as uh, emergency products having to be mailed, having to be delivered, Postal Service is there.
0: Yeah, I would never realized until I looked at the data that a very large proportion of pharmaceuticals and health products are actually sent via the mail and, you know, by the Postal Service. I think a billion prescriptions were delivered last year by the United States Postal Service. Now— you represent a suburban New York district, but, and it's important to your constituents. But just imagine how important it is to rural America where you can't walk into a CVS, Walgreens, or Rite Aid, right.
1: that you are totally relying on the Postal Service. Well, again, uh, so many—I mean, more and more people do get their pharmaceuticals through the mail. I can only imagine what it's like in a rural area because I saw just during Sandy when we had shutdowns here on Long Island. And you, we're right outside New York City, and you had pharmacies had to shut down for, you know, there's a loss of power. Uh, it was just too dangerous. And they were, again, thank God that they were able to order, order through the mail. And, you know, the average had senior citizens and others who got their pharmaceuticals at that time, you know, through the mail, because uh, the pharmacies were shut down. And that's in a suburban area right outside the most important city in the world, New York City. And we had that problem. I can just imagine. I can't begin to imagine, I should say, what it's like in rural areas for uh, especially senior citizens, also people who have illnesses confined to their home, people who need the pharmaceutical to live day to day. So, no, that's absolutely essential.
0: Also, I, I think the, uh, the tax benefit that was uh, provided from the, out of the Paycheck Protection Act that passed uh, maybe a month or two ago, that if you did not have a bank account, the, you had an option of getting a prepaid card in the mail. That, could, yep. that was redeemable, and you were relying on the Postal Service for the delivery of that essential yep. financial aid to America, the American public.
1: And that really is essential uh, to a number of people. It's not just icing on the cake. Or it's not just a stopgap. It's really essential for many people to have that money in their pockets to get them through those first early tough days. So not, again, I mean, I can, we can go on probably all day talking about the necessity of the Postal Service. That's why— to go back to your first question, why do we in New York support it? I would say, why doesn't anybody not support us?
0: The pushback we're getting right now, and I know at the press conference that you conducted two weeks ago, which we actually recorded with the permission of the Oversight and Reform Committee, we recorded it and played it as part of this podcast in its entirety. But one of the problems is is the Senate and, of course, uh, the the Department of the Treasury. How do we convince our friends in the Senate and the Department of the Treasury, A, that the Postal Service should not be used as a political tool, and B, that it provides an essential service which is deserving of support by Congress.
1: Bob, the main way to do that is, I'm not trying to sound arrogant here, is through power politics. What I mean by that is have the people, the grassroots uh, constituents, have them contact their member of Congress, their senator, have the uh, postmasters, everyone Uh, who is involved. Obviously, you know, the union members, but also rank and file people who are not necessarily even working for the Postal Service, people who rely on on, on the service to have to organize as much as possible to put the pressure on on, on these senators to vote to show that, I mean, overwhelmingly, the American people support the Postal Service. And if that's organized, uh, even in uh, not even a total organization, just uh, routinely organized to uh, contact their senator, because really, that's, that's where the problem is going to be in the Senate. Find out you know the states where you think the senator is going to be opposed to it and have as many people contact that Senate office as possible, because at the grassroots level, this is not a Democrat or Republican issue or red state or blue state issue. It may be at certain, certain uh, leadership levels in the Senate, but it's not among rank-and-file Americans. And so they have to really take advantage of democracy and put as much pressure as they can on on, on the senators, and also have local mayors and local officials uh, contact the senators.
0: Yeah, I can recall the days when uh, the leadership in the Senate for postal issues was Senator Ted Stevens, a, uh, a, yeah. a, tr- a true champion. And I mean, I could just imagine the conversation that would go on between <laughs> uh, Ted Stevens and uh, the Treasury Secretary, Steve Mnuchin, if, 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 if A, if Senator Stevens was still alive and if he were still in the Senate and he was not bashful in his communication about the
1: postal service. I can tell you that. No, uh, first of all, Ted Stevens was an accurate, uh, real advocate, but so were so many Republicans. This is an issue which has sort of developed over the last few years has become, uh, uh, again, an issue, which I don't think people, I'm not trying to again, be condescending here, but I wonder how many people who say they're opposed or even know why they're opposed. Or is it just like a, you know, there's some bumper sticker, the uh, slogan that they picked up along the way.
0: Yeah, I, I, I saw that there is a bipartisan letter floating around the Senate right now that I believe was sent over to the leadership to the majority leader as well as the minority leader.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: signing on to that letter was uh, Susan Collins uh, from Maine and Steve Daines from Montana, among others. Mm-hmm. And right. I think that there is, you know, as to your point, I think there is a growing – sensitivity, particularly amongst rural state members of the Senate, that you can't abandon the Postal Service and you can't let it become a political pawn in whatever battle is going on mm-hmm. between the administration right. and a and uh, customer of
1: the United States Postal Service who shall go nameless. Right. And, and people in the administration or in the Senate, if they have an in for the Postal Service and they're against it, then let that come to an open vote on the House, uh, House and Senate floor. Don't try to uh, cut off funding because of the uh, very unique situation with the pandemic, where the Senate's not in session all the time, the House is not in session all the time, and we basically, all we vote on is like one bill every two or three weeks with funding in it, and uh, use that as an opportunity to uh, starve the Postal Service.
0: Also, it's not only the customers, like your constituents, uh, your residential constituents, who benefit from the Postal Service. It's a a tremendous, it's a $1.4 trillion industry around the country that includes greeting cards, catalog companies, small businesses who need the Postal Service to access to a national market. And also, I mean, in fact, even in your congressional district, there are people that rent space to the Postal Service. I believe in the 2nd District, it's almost $2.7 million in lease payments the Postal Service made make to your constituents who rent space to the Postal Service. If they go under, if you will, they, or if they become insolvent, those are lease payments that can't be made.
1: Right. These are all, all collateral benefits that come directly from the Post Office. They're collateral, but they come directly because of the presence and the activity of the Post Office. Absolutely.
0: Okay, my final question to you, Congressman, is what would you recommend members of NAPS do? Now, forget about your constituent; you, you, You've been sold already. You, you are cha- you're our champion. But for those around the country that might be listening within the NAPS family, outside of the NAPS family, postal employees, family members of postal employees, what would they be doing after they hear this podcast?
1: They should be reaching out to people in their communities and have them contact the senators. And when I say the people in the communities, that, that's residents, it's also will be local elected officials, local businesses, local people, and, ha, uh, and uh, you know, local merchants, local property owners, have them uh, contact their organized way or really sensitive way, their U.S. senators. That's the way to get it done.
0: Well, I want to thank you so much for joining us on Apps Chat this week. Again, I'm going to restate Tom Barron's uh, request, and that is you reconsider your retirement. But I know uh, you won't. Thank you for your service for 28 years in the House of Representatives, yeah. and your leadership, and most importantly, your friendship, Congressman. Thank well, you for well, thank joining you us, you,
1: and all all of you and your members are just great people to work with. They're true patriotic Americans. They're outstanding men and women. Proud to call them my friends, and I'm proud to be able to do whatever I can system in the United States Congress. Thank you so much, Congressman. Very welcome, Bob. Thank you. I'm
0: going to write right down and write myself a letter and make